Welcome to this week's episode of Fighting Words. Donovan here. And I am joined today by a very special guest. You know, I've noticed that I haven't actually been introducing my guests. I've just been telling people their names. But that's not a proper introduction. That's just saying their name, like who they are, what they do. So what we're going to do today is not use your name. All right. And you just tell us who you are. And so most fundamental question, who are you? It's always interesting to hear who, how people answer. Right. You're my mystery guest. Because the culture says who I am is dependent on what I do. The culture says that. Or just humanity. That dang culture. <laughs> they're, they're guilty of so much. How? Why does culture do stupid stuff? It's the culmination of millions, maybe thousands. It's people. People. Are you part of that culture? Did you do that to yourself? I was born into that. You were born this way? I was born this way. <laughs> Baby, I was born this way. That's right. This is Daniel Sheets, folks. Oh, boy. He's outed me. That's right. Now I have to be careful what I say. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Sheets is uh, one of the pastors at the Cedar Falls campus. And you've been at Redeemer for? Five years now. Yes, with his wife, Emily, and crew of children. Right. And uh, so they lead a group, and uh, where would you rank yourself among the pastoral team in terms of effectiveness and holiness? <laughs> oh boy. How many of us like, are, are you, there? Are you like a front runner? There's like there's, there's nine of us. Nine? There's nine currently. Yeah. Wow, I'm a solid like six. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm a staff pastor, so that automatically ranks me well below all the. No, I'm, nope, I'm, a a non, I'm a lay pastor, so that oh, okay, automatically yeah, yeah. ranks me well below the staff guys. That's right. But they, they, but you're you like know, at the top. It's a hierarchy. But that puts you at the top of the lay pastors. Ooh, boy. Maybe maybe a second to the top. Okay, cool. All right. Because Terry's probably. Terry's up there, man. Yeah, I mean, that seniority. Well, he's had a lot of years of God whittling away at right. his, his sin. That's right. Daniel is a farmer. Ooh. That's who you are. Ah, there's that identity that's, coming in. That's who you are, which is insane to me because we'll. I feel like we have a lot of affinity. We just sit. We can talk a lot with church doctrine, culture, how evil the culture is, right? Literature, books, you know, just news like kids, and then we're like, all right, see you later, and you're going to go farm. Right. Which is so ancient. It's archaic. I'm literally going to go dig in the dirt. Yeah. Most weeks. It's nuts to me. I'm like, this is what he's doing all day, which is why you're so brawny. Well, that and you eat a lot. That's part of it. Why would you farm? You know, <laughs> I've kind of, yeah. <laughs> it's insane to me that people are farming. I'm not one of those people that planned my life out. Or had a dad that really had high ambitions for me. Okay, so for, first of all, well, well, part of this episode is all the bricks in the wall that have kept you from your self-actualization. So one is culture so far, and the other is your dad. <laughs> well, you know, I, I say that just thinking of, you know, some dads that are high achievers. Yeah. And uh, so then, uh, you know, they kind of want their sons to, to come up and... Yeah, yeah. You know, and they oppress them with their expectations. In, yeah, walk in their footsteps. But uh, but your dad had no hopes for you. He looked at you and was like, "Yeah." <laughs> he might have, but uh, you he know, just kind of let you go your own way. No, we were just kind of that uh, that working class, you know, trying to live paycheck to paycheck. So it's okay. not like there's this. It's not a vision you're chasing. It's not this vision that you know we've we've got all these plans for life. It's like no, we just got to pay the bills and right buy groceries. So give me the give us the uh, the quick. Uh, well, let me ask you this. So when you were well, you where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up uh, until I was about nine in a little place called Red Bank, Tennessee, right outside of Chattanooga. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Red Bank. Red Bank. Outside of Chattanooga. Did you say Chattanooga or Chatta? Ch Chattanooga. 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 Okay. Wow. I'm picturing like some Huck Finn type stuff. Somewhat. Did you would you go down to the creek? 
Yeah, there was a there was a creek right on the other side of the railroad tracks from where. So you're not that lived. country. You said creek. If you're a real country, you say crick. That's right. So you're not. Well, all of my formative years in K five through twelfth grade were. I was taught by people from New York and Illinois, and I can't think of any teacher that was actually from the South that I had. Okay. So they were like invading. Yep. Yeah, the South needs invaded. Right. You know. So I was preserved from sounding like <clears throat> where I grew up. Yeah. Okay, so Red Bank and then? Uh, then uh, my family followed this pastor up to... Uh, they followed the pastor? Yeah, kind of. So if I leave Redeemer to get away, <laughs> you or others may follow me. Yeah, so we ended I up I never in, thought of that possibility. No. <laughs> pastor chasing. Uh-huh. Well, that's my perspective anyway. I don't know if that's how it went down, but uh, we ended up in La Crosse, Wisconsin. So he took a church somewhere else, mm-hmm. and they were just so... They just liked him so much, or he was so charismatic or it was cultish or what was going on i cannot imagine the motivation okay so all you know is you ended up moving because i was nine yeah so i just had to help move yeah put the boxes in the moving truck and away we went okay so now you're in high school ish and you're looking out like what do you envision happening after high school so in high school because when okay so what we're going to talk about today is fundamentalism right because uh Daniel's a fundamentalist, so mm-hmm. figured recovery. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna circle back to the church thing and how that developed over over the years. But right now, just I want to know how you ended up farming, and so I'm, that's my angle right now. Like, what did you envision vocationally for yourself? You're a couple years out, or your senior year, and you're looking out like, just work at the Safeway. Well, I grew up in a Christian school. Okay, and so the culture was, you know, pastors, missionaries. Uh, ministry types were, were kind of the aspirational occupations. Um, so I was going to be a missionary coming out of high school. That's okay. what I went to college for. Yeah. To be a missionary? Yeah, a But because, missionary. did you ever feel a real calling to that? Or was it kind of like you're just going swimming with the culture? Yeah. And so you f- did you get a degree in missions, like a Bible degree? No, I went one year to Bible college. You went one well, year? Well, a year and a half. Yeah, it shows. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> but you, I was preserved in that, so I wouldn't. What do you mean? Well, I don't I don't think the the colleges that I went to would would be something I would continue in today as far as Bible teaching, you know, their understanding of theology and who God is. I mean, there's some good things. Yeah. Uh, you know, we knew the Bible really well. I yeah. memorized the Bible, different things like that, but uh theologically very different. Right. So you dropped out um, or just decided to stop? You said, this isn't for me. No, I ended up uh, pursuing a nursing degree. So I became a CNA first, which is just going to a community college. And then I... I, I don't got, know if I've ever literally sat across from a missionary nurse farmer. <laughs> it's been confusing. Yes. That's why I'm 40 years old and whatever. You still, know. still don't know who you are. Still not, still not answering that identity question. That's right. Real clearly. What, what made no, you say I want true. to be a nurse? Money. I think back in the day you just wanted to help people. Oh, you're so sweet. Yeah, yeah. Now you want to help animals. And I think probably, uh, yeah, animals are part of it. I mean, part of the farm. You've told me some of the stuff you have to do That's with right. these animals, dude. It's yeah, yeah. There's definitely it's some. perverse. Oh yeah, modern <laughs> agriculture. It's weird. <laughs> um, so it was yeah. really just a, a desire to help. Yeah, I think you're like, so. You're like Mother Teresa. I think my dad died, uh, having died the way he did, and then you know, going through <clears throat> some of that, uh, you wanted to to know how to medically be involved, help people. Wow, I'm always yep. uh, yeah compelled by that profession because it is you you must to do it well and to and to thrive in it you really do have to be a very empathetic person and you know because you're you're in the trenches with people and you're not getting the glory that the doctor's getting right 
And you're actually doing the stuff he doesn't have to do. You no, know, he just comes in for like 10 minutes, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and then the nurses, the nursing staff at the hospital pretty much do all the patient care. So LPNs and Okay, RNs. I need to go there. You're literally wiping people. Oh, yeah, that was a big part. Yeah, so I worked at a veteran's big part? home. That's a, oh boy, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I worked at a veteran's home in Marshalltown, Iowa. So. Oh, God. Yep. This is the state of Iowa, you know, taking care of its uh, older war veterans, military veterans. And uh, and that was most of it was, um, yeah. Cleaning Showers, up. Showers, you know, helping them clean up. And then. You know, when I think of the, the future. Yeah. Like me being old, like that to me seems like if I'm, I don't know, like pain. I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not great with pain either, but. There's a lot of suffering coming, but the thing that really gets me is like the if I'm unable to go to the bathroom on my own, and you, right. Daniel comes in, hey, it's like man, oh, like this just humbling. And you don't even have to be that old. I mean, you can oh, just gosh. have an accident and be a quadriplegic for the rest of your life. Oh gosh! So this could happen any minute, right? And there were some young guys there. Had car accidents or whatever. No. Wow. Mostly older folks, you know, mostly kind of nursing home kind of. So once you got into the job you're doing, are you like, yes, or were you like, what did I get myself into? No, I think, uh, again, that overriding sense of, yeah, this is what needs to be done, and uh, I have capacity to do this, and and you get to know the people. All right, did you like, you rank number one on the PT. <laughs> you just I'm like a nine I have this I'm just oh my gosh I'm not a good person I feel ashamed in front of you oh boy <laughs> your presence makes me cringe in light of my own imperfections <laughs> now I know how everyone else feels around me <laughs> I don't know about this. <laughs> All the while, uh, wow. you know, life was not going as, as rosy as it sounds. When you were nursing? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The home life and, yeah. So. Okay. Should we dig all, into that? All that empathy and stuff is kind of this. It had one outlet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so before you think too highly here. <laughs> You had one place where you were going and being a good guy. That's right. That was your that was your religious in some outlet. Ways, yeah, your your uh, your justification pleasing people. But wow, then, pleasing you, God. Uh. Okay, <clears throat> well let's back up here. Why why fundamentalism? Well, um, well I think it's interesting. You know, and and so we're going to define the term, and um, I'd love to hear your definition of it. And then um, I thought, I mean, there's a lot of stuff I'd like to talk about, but I know that that's been a part of your journey. You know, you're, how old are you now? I'll be 40 in January. So 40 years in the church. I mean, some yeah, of that unaware. Yeah. You know, no, you're a baby. I grew up in the church. That's right. And you, you've never really left? No. Um, Even no. through all the sin? Uh, when we made the last transition... From one church to another, I think we waited out a week. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We took one week off. <clears throat> so when I say fundamentalism, what does that mean to you? Uh, I think it's been defined um, as in 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 a positive light. You know, they they take God seriously. They take the Bible seriously. Uh, originally, it was um, kind of a a hold fast position to uh, what a liberal interpretation of scripture, a liberal uh, view of um, truth about God would be. So I think originally it started out okay. Um, but then uh, as I've come out of fundamentalism, uh, I've heard, at least here at Redeemer Church. Oh, um, so you didn't know how, how Well, I don't think you can define it well when you're in it. Um, I don't even think you know 
that you're well so, other, so you come to redeemer and we're like oh the fundamentalist and you're like what that was my whole life yeah so the first guy that i heard talk about <laughs> fundamentalism from the pulpit was probably mark driscoll okay and he says you know they're they're not fun right there's no fun in fundamentalism and uh you know, get, get get a good kick out of that um but i think it's that overreach uh it's defined kind of by what they do um and and so that they they have more more laws than than are actually given to us by God, and so it's it's kind of this righteousness. It's an overreach on on what righteousness is. Yeah. Um, so kind of basically a legalism. Yeah, it's a legalism. Yeah, and you'd have to define that too. But um, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a keeping of God's law for your own holiness. That's the standard for holiness: is your capacity to keep the rules. Yeah. And I think... Um, Can I nuance that? Sure. I think it's that plus, and it's this. the second one is the, the natural effect of that, is is the adding, is what you said, the adding of laws. Right. Because now now you're so focused on this and your entire life, your, your entire life depends on you keeping laws, you're inevitably going to overreach. That's what we see in the scriptures. It's what we see in our lives. But you see in the scriptures, that's who Jesus was dealing with, the Pharisees. Right, they thought they were righteous by their works, and they're adding to God's law expectations that God never said. Right, it's right. kind of fencing, is what it is. They're like, "Hey, we know we're not supposed to. We know we're supposed to be holy, and so let's add some stuff around what God said. You know, like a list of you know, don't don't dance or don't watch these movies or." Um, it's like it's trying to simplify the issue instead of leaving us to wrestle with the spirit and our Christian liberties. I think, to some extent, yeah, it, just make it an takes external the place of list. The Holy Spirit. Yeah, sure. So legalism, okay. So yes, that's good. That's right. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the uh, the origins, which I think is is healthy because you know John Piper, his he calls his dad a fundamentalist, but he doesn't mean it. In the legalistic way. Right, yeah. I think he means in the, he was back in the day fighting liberalism and preaching the gospel, the fundamentals of the gospel. Yeah, you so, know. you know, they would, somebody would doubt that Jesus died, actually died in, in, when he was in the grave. And so they would say, well, he, he just came back from passing out or something. Yeah. You know, they would make claims like this in liberalism. And a fundamentalist would say, no, the Bible actually teaches that he died. Right. And uh, we'll hold to that. So there's some basic things that the fundamentalists have maintained, and to this day they, you know, would still hold fast to. Yep. And so that's kind of a. It's also kind of a slippery. It's not like a, an, a denomination. It's a culture, a subculture of American church that could creep in. I mean, there's probably elements of fundamentalism at Redeemer, good ones, right? You know, we believe the Bible is true, mm-hmm. and bad ones we contend toward legalism in ways and. But it's when that becomes a a, a dominant uh, manifestation, and there's not a clear gospel-centered a battle against that. I think, and it begins to. And so we'll talk about that. Then, you know how you how you hopefully your story will help illustrate some of that. So you so you're at this. What was this town? Red Bank. Yeah, this. Uh, it's a little little burg. Yeah. Yeah, outside of Chattanooga. And do you remember church back then? I do. What yeah, was because, that like? Um, the church's name was Independent Fundamental Baptist. So there is, there actually is some one den- denomination is the I, the IFB. IFB. Yeah, yeah, and that was yeah. actually the name of our church. They like championing the name, and uh, fundamentalism became uh, kind of separatist groups. So the history of the Baptists would be that they would separate from other Baptists. I think that's why you get the first and second and third Baptist churches, because they would just separate constantly over, you name it, whatever issue of the day it was. And one group would say, we believe it's this way. And another group would say, well, we're going to go this way with it. And they would separate and be a a different church, a local church. Do you know if these issues were generally like uh, philosophy of ministry and contextualization issues, or were they doctrinal? Because they're not—they're still fundamentalists. They're not disagreeing about the truth of the Bible. No, no, they would be open-handed issues. I would think, by and large. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, like music, or um, how you take communion, or 
um, how you dress. I, those are the things that it had devolved down to, I think, by the time I was in fundamentalism. As I how you part up, your hair? Yeah. Even, yeah, because we had rules on how we cut our hair. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I was totally joking. No. You know, that's interesting. So I could sit here and make an absurd, you know, yeah. probably guess at absurdities. Like, yeah, go ahead and keep going. Let me see. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, that's my life. Oh. Um, well, yeah, well, it's a length of skirts. Right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Length of hair. Right. Yes. Yeah, long hair was, you know, so this is uh, the 80s. So big hair bands or whatever. And uh, you could, you had to have your, you couldn't have your hair touching your, your ears. Or on your collar, you know that was a that was a rule. And of course, I I grew up in a Christian school associated with the church, and so there was this organizational, yeah, thing going on where you had standards within the organization. Okay, so you are, man. So that's your whole world. You got this little you're in this little town. You got this little church, like there's like fifty people, hundred people, or what? Oh, I would say. 50 to 100, yeah, okay. that's perfect. A little church, yeah. and then it has a Small. school. Right. Run by the church. Right. Is it attached? Yeah, we were in the basement of the church as, you know, from first grade, second grade through fifth grade or whatever. And then some of then the church in La Crosse where we went, it was actually the whole complex, kind of like, uh, well, like Northbrook, where you have all the classrooms attached to the, yeah, yeah. To the main building, kind of so, like this. So pre-move, you're in Red Bank, and you're, you're just this little kid at, at church in this little subculture. Man, this is so crazy. Because, like, I've seen this in movies, but it's, like, where you grew up. It makes me think of, like, There Will Be Blood. Yes. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's this one guy. And, yeah. And he's got this sway over these people. Wow. And he is the one that – and so there's this one – one pastor, typically. Sometimes he's got a you know a lackey or the deacons, and uh, and they just are beholden. It's very authoritarian, you know. So he answers all the questions. He just described my family. Well, it's <laughs> just a family, right? Yeah. Um, I always tell my kids my church is com or not my church. My home is communist. Yes, I'm the di- the dictator. I decide, you know. To each, from each according to their ability, to each according to their need. My wife is part of that, but at the end of the day, I'm the head, right? right? And I distribute food and resources, and and it works. This is neither here nor there. Let me give you my little lecture. Yeah, yeah. It works because I love them, and they love me, and it's small enough that I can, to some extent, actually discern what are the needs of the family and the abilities. So there's some built-in reasons why the further you try to take that, the harder it's going to be to, to try to run a, you know, a society that way, because you don't love each other, <laughs> and you can't discern the needs of millions of people, you know. Right. So it's just the seeds of destruction are yeah. in there. So but, anyway, but um, this was like a compound in in one way. Um, the first house I remember living in was was right on the other side of the church property, you know, uh, right right on the other side of the fence. And then for whatever reason, we moved from that house, and we actually lived on the church property uh, in an apartment for until I was eight. Wow. Okay, so your memories of that is it is this kind of simple childhood? This is my life. I don't have I don't yeah, really yeah. know what's going on. I'm just like going to church, going to school, laughing with my friends. Right, freaking fishing at the creek. That's right. Um. Okay. Did you enjoy the church? Ex- like when you do, you remember being a kid and being at the service and being like, "Hey, this is fun. We're singing," and da-da-da? or or was it like, "I'm bored to death. Let's go home." Like, uh, Sunday school was fun. Yeah, you know. So they had Sunday school programs, games. Okay. Bible memorization. Uh, Awana, which I think is still a thing. Yeah. Uh, we had that on Wednesday nights. Okay, but uh, sitting through a sermon might be a little much. But the weird. sermons, yeah, Sunday morning, um, you could be in children's church until you were so old, and then you had to sit in the sermon. Okay, so now, so when I when I when I had to sit in the sermon, I remember, you know, just yeah, finding any reason to get out of that. 
Uh, I yeah. Would, I would cry or something. And so it's like now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would cry every every week at that time. You have a stomach ache. You're That's sick. Right. You're not feeling well. Yeah. Um. So now this this pastor leaves for whatever reason and goes takes another church, mm-hmm. probably within the independent fundamentalist Baptist yeah. circles. Yeah, there's always these circles that they all run in. And, and your family followed him. Did many from there follow? No. Okay. Well, no. Okay, so it was a particular affinity that was there with your family or something, or something was going on. So you moved to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Where at? La Crosse. La Crosse. Okay. Who else is from there? Is that where uh, Dustin's from? Maybe. Yeah. Good old Dustin Lee, the other fundamentalist. Um, mm. That's what we're going to do. This show from now on, we're just outing all the fundamentalists. They're they're in our church. Mm. So you're in lacrosse. Now you're a little older. You're there till when? Um, Through like fourth, fifth, sixth grade. And then we moved back to Chattanooga. Oh, okay. Yeah. If things didn't work out, no. I mean, I think the church split. Yeah, yeah. They Everything separated. fell apart, and then you guys separated. Well, no. Um, the pastor moved back to Chattanooga as well, oh. and then we lived in his house for some time. Oh my gosh, this is escalating. <laughs> so this you went from very, very bizarre. Literally, now. <laughs> you said you lived outside the church pro- property, then on the church property, then you followed him to Lacrosse, then back to Red Bank, and moved into his house until we kind of got our own little. Place. Yeah, what was that like? Ten years? No, no I, it was it was six months, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Did he have kids your age? You were like siblings, or yeah, you know, like kids older than me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, and then you kind of finished out the rest of your childhood there, right? Until I was eighteen. Yep. yep. Okay, so now let's talk about that era a little bit. You're the teenager, right? So things are changing. Like you're starting to think about things. You're starting to sin in different ways right um yeah just just maybe just give us that what's the rundown of your teenage life in red bank tennessee is part of this this would be a different burg now so this oh okay yeah, yeah there's whatever chattanooga area yeah. chattanooga e- area east bank east bank east ridge i'm sorry east ridge, yeah, okay. east ridge tennessee that's where we ended up they're all named they're both named after geogra or Geographic formations. That's right. There's a lot of hills and mountains. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't very creative, like, with town names. So, well, there's a ridge. That's right. Here's a nook. There's <laughs> <laughs> a creek. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I was saved early um, and baptized at five. And then when I was in junior high, uh, I felt like, I had no desire, like I just wanted to sin and I knew I was sinful and so I needed to be saved. And How so, did you want to sin? Um, I just looked at my life and said, yeah, uh, I had gotten in trouble and gotten with the police. What did you do? This is... This you is, can you can don't have to answer anything, but yeah, I'm going to yeah. dig. No, no. Uh, I was inappropriate with a really little girl. Okay. Yep. And, and her... And she told her, she was like two. And, you know, I'm going through changes in life. And, yeah, it got it got really bad. Anyway, so the detectives came in. And uh, I was in, like, community service for a while. Okay. Anyway, but I think that kind of thing just was like, yeah, I, you know, I had all of these. Sexual change, lust. Sexual lust. And, 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 yeah, MTV had come out and we had cable. And, you know, you'd get the, the free channels so you could see. You know, softcore type pornography, and um, and I found you know magazines at this time, you know, out in the woods. <laughs> Literally, I found a Playboy magazine. What's going on in these behind woods? the house, in in the in the timber, and uh, yeah, it's funny. Like, makes me think how many people find like it's like community property. That's right. Is it just you and one other guy that ha- never happened to run into each other there? Or is it like <laughs> thirty eight dudes like on a schedule? Can't bring this back oh, into geez. town. So there was a lot of sexual perversion in my head, yeah. and and uh, there was uh, really yeah no. Did you in your mind then have to dis? Did you have to disassociate from the whole church thing, or did you just drift without even think about it? Or were you like, well, I have to? Did you make a conscious decision like, hmm, 
I'm up against sin and the church says this. Mm-hmm. How did you deal with that? Just ignore it? No, I think you, you kept it pretty private. Yeah. Um, there wasn't a lot you could say to anybody else. No, no, no. I mean, what did you, mean? you did you make a conscious, did you consciously reject, like, obviously anytime we, we we're sinning, we're rejecting Christ and rejecting truth. But I mean, were you like, church is dumb. I'm done with that. Or even though you still had to go, or were you kind of caught in the middle? Like, no, I'm still a Christian, and, like, were you in a war, or were you just, like, lying and hiding? No, I think there was a war, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, you would read your Bible and pray, and then you would send some more. Yeah. And then just a cycle, constant cycle. Mm. Yeah, and so, um, but, yeah, really no, no power there. You just kind of at the whim of your own lusts and desires and and then just you know you keep up appearances uh, at school and at church and and you work really hard you know so i was on a you worked your fingers down to the bone oh yeah so that's interesting man like oh so we sing that song i worked my fingers down to the bone nothing Absolutely. i did could ever atone like that must just strike you because I, I we just sang that song in cedar rapids i think last week and i i hear that line and i'm like that's not really my life like Theologically, I can get there. Like, we're all trying to justify ourselves, you know, like I was. But I, but not in that religious context. I, you know, seeking to do good works for God. That was not oh, yeah. my life. But that was your life. You're like, that, that's my life. Yeah. That's your life. Yeah. I'm just going to work this out. I'm going to witness to people. I'm going to, I was on a bus ministry. You're going to become you, a nurse. Yeah. Yeah. Where you go into the, the projects. And uh, and you bring kids into mm-hmm. church, yep. And you sing with them, and you you do all this kind of stuff, and uh, yeah, you just work really hard. So how, how this is your entire teenage experience, basically? Pretty much. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I knew that you know that some of the kids would would do the other thing. They would just kind of be rebellious and you know try to get around all the rules and everything. And I tried to keep them. At the same time, I was completely unable to. Yeah. In my own private life. So. Yep. Did you have a girlfriend? Um, yeah, I did through like my junior year from yeah, freshman. She was part of this church. Gym. She probably had to be, right? Yeah, her dad was a teacher at the school. Okay. Yeah. And so yeah, were you guys sinning? No, well, I mean, oh, now in we my have mind. to we're yeah, always yeah. sinning. So yeah, yeah. so we got the redeemer talk, which is we never stop sinning. I'm in constant state of sin because the law says glorify God, and I'm never fully there, so I'm always right. fall, falling short. But you know what I mean? Like, were you? Was that like, oh, this is a good thing? This is was this one of the good things in your life? We're like, hey, we're trying to be honorable, and I'm being a good boy with her. It maybe started out that way, okay. but no, it didn't end up that way. It devolved. It devolved quickly, probably on my side, and and probably tried to lure her in. Mm. You know, you were not supposed to touch her. Right, and I did. And then she liked it, and it's like we kind of, you know, it never went very far. It was sure, you know, but farther it, than it should have. Oh yeah, definitely farther than it should have. And uh, you know, the rules are are pretty, are there. You know, like you could never really be alone with her and stuff. So that probably kept us from doing sure much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So now, let's fast forward. Now you're an adult. Kind of, mm-hmm. and you are out of high school. You, you, you decide to go be a missionary. You're still in this battle, I'm assuming, but you're oh, just yeah. doing what you got to do, right? You got to go become a missionary or a pastor or something. Yeah. And then you must have got. I just can't imagine you just decided to be a nurse. Like you, you have, must have had some disillusionment with that calling. Um, I think uh, I wanted to get married. That was the thing. You couldn't that'd get be, married be, if you were going to be a missionary? Well, um, I went one year to a fundamentalist college. Um, and then I worked in Detroit, and I was dating Emily, my wife. And uh, and that just became the thing. So, oh. Uh, yeah, so, you know, it's like... I'm, Derailed. I'm not, I'm not going back to school. I'm going to... I got engaged right before uh, I would have gone back as a sophomore at 19. And then I, I just went and got a job. Yeah. And um, worked until 
Um, we got married, and then I went back to school at, at another fundamental school for, for one semester part-time. And then from there, I went to community college. And so it was just kind of like, well, now i got to work and make money, so what's right. going to make me money? Well, the nursing career. Okay. Why not? It wasn't like you shaking off these shackles of, at least not uh, meant not uh, consciously. Was uh, Emily's background similar in terms of the fundamentalism? It was, but not as extreme. Yeah. I mean, our experiences are very different. Yeah. Uh, I think it would be early on when her mom and dad started going back to church when they had kids. They went to a Methodist church, maybe. Yeah. Locally in Tama Toledo. Okay, so you, um, at this point, you've been married 20 years or so? Now, I mean today. Um, 19, going on 20. Okay. All right, so we just covered a lot of your life. Yeah. I, I think this is fascinating. I mean, this is just so, we do a little movie about this. Um, okay, so now you, you're, you're grown, you're living in Detroit? I was for that summer. That summer, okay. Yeah, and then we ended up in Wisconsin. How'd you meet Emily? At school. Okay. My freshman year of college. Okay, so now... Um, you're married, you're not pursuing the pastor thing anymore, missionary thing. You and Emily, uh, church is still part of your life. What kind of church are you going to now? Same? You're still in that same Oh, band? yeah. That's what yeah. you do? Yep, we stay within that circle. Okay. Um, and she had, her parents uh, left kind of, the, the Methodist church kind of split, and then they, her parents started their own church, and then that kind of fell apart, and they just joined this fundamental Baptist church, church plant yeah. in Toledo. And that's where they had been for many years. And so we just ended up, when we moved in 2001 to Iowa, that's where we ended landed. Up. Tama Toledo. That's right. So that's also, when we say Daniel uh, is a farmer, their farm is... It's 45 minutes south of Waterloo. Yeah. So you got quite a drive, which is related to the story, why would you drive all the way to Redeemer Church? So we'll get to that. What? Yeah. Okay. So I mean, there's we got to cover some ground here. Maybe I'll just ask you this: What? When did you wake up and say, "Wow, the the way I think about God and the way maybe that the culture I've been in thinks and talks about God is not helpful." Um, I think the ruin of my own life like sin just ruling me and and every relationship that i had would just be eventually crippled and and crumbling from my own sin um and so i just felt the powerlessness of of my own efforts uh, probably 2005 i'd been married for about four years and we were thinking both of us thinking about leaving each other and so we had two kids at that point, and uh, that's the direction we were headed. And uh, that probably scared me, um, but there was no capacity to do anything different. Hmm. And um, why didn't you just exercise your free will to choose to be a better person? Yeah, that free will. I was I was exercising my free will. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was where I was. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's where that free will gets you, I guess. You know, because uh, Joe Rogan says, "Why don't we? If we just just love each other?" That's right. Yeah, Daniel, why don't you why don't you just love her? I was trying to love my wife, and she was on the way out. <laughs> no, I wasn't loving my wife. I was loving myself, or no, I wasn't even doing that. No, yeah. Um. Yeah, my kids ran away from me when I walked in the house. You know, oh. anger and and just they never knew whether dad was fit oh. to be around or not. That's so crazy because your kids really adore you. No. Yeah, and that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, that uh, that is that is an evidence of yeah grace to me. Yeah, is I don't deserve that because I'm still I'm not I'm a changed person, but not. Not, not like, that changed. Not that changed. I'm still a jerk. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so your kids were running from you. Oh, yeah. 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 They were so little. That makes me sad. It was very sad. Yeah. Emily's running. Everyone. <laughs> Every, everybody just kind of 
yeah, feels the temperature of my attitude at the time and either, oh, okay, he's, he's all right today or no way, we got to get out of the room. Yeah, that was, uh, that was life for um, quite a few years. Yeah. So 2005 or so, um, I got out of nursing and uh, started working with a guy in Iowa City and he owned this franchise business that did interior car refurbishing and whatever. Um, and so I started driving a lot. Little did you know that's exactly what you needed. Yeah. In an interior refurbishing. Yeah. It so was a metaphor. <laughs> the restoration. That's right. You're like, this looks interesting. Right. I don't know why, but I'm compelled. That's right. Cars. I liked cars. <laughs> yeah. That's what you thought. That's right. You meant it for evil. Anyways, I'm stretching the metaphor here. No, no, that's not too far. Uh, yeah, no, I had gone into a lot of debt for cars, and so I could, I could be in the car business, you know, yeah. kind of associated with all these nice cars doing this kind of work. And I really wasn't making enough as a nurse to fund my my life and going in debt all the time. Mm. And uh, that was that's part of the whole picture is debt and, and sure. overspending and whatever. Um so this guy must have been pivotal. You brought him, or what? What was the 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 move to Iowa City to work? Or yeah, so he he was a friend of my wife's family. Okay, and just we just knew of each other. He had been at the church in Tama for a while, and then okay. he moved to Iowa City, and uh, called me up, said, "Hey, you want to come check this out? See if you want to be a part of it." I said, "Sure." I worked for him for three years, and then I bought into the franchise myself. All right, and ran a franchise in Waterloo for um, yeah eight nine years. Yep. Yep. And so, uh, during that, during that time, um, we had, I, I probably spent 40,000 miles a year on the, on the road. Oh, here we go. Yeah. And, uh, I started listening and smartphones came out, you know, when we first got married, Oh, one saved by the smartphone. Oh, man. Yeah. Steve this... jobs. That's right. <laughs> I think my first smartphone was, uh, an 8130 Blackberry Pearl. Ooh, you yeah. know, balling. Yeah, yeah, that's the little one. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so when I when I bought my own franchise, I got this phone, mm -hmm. and uh, it probably wasn't that phone, but subsequent smartphones. You could start listening to sermons. Yes, and I started, and and we had begun to begun to go to conferences because the kids were gonna gonna go to a school, and we were gonna homeschool them. And so we started going to this niche conference, mm -hmm. and I started hearing other pastors preaching. And uh, I would say that would that would be uh, maybe whether I had heard the gospel before or not. Probably the first time I had, I had heard the gospel in that way, anyway. From because certainly you'd heard Jesus died for oh, your yeah. sins. Yeah, that was just part of life. I mean, but I think that's um, you know what this uh, D. A. Carson would say: you just assume the gospel, and you've already lost it. Right. Yeah. So there was a lot of assumption about the gospel. So this just gets into what we're talking about being gospel centered. Is, yeah. Isn't just uh, doesn't just yeah we believe Jesus died for our sins. Okay, but is that just this past event, and now mm -hmm. it's just a restart, and now my righteousness, my hopes, my it still still depends on me. It just kind of reverts back to me and my sufficiency, my work. Yeah, the, the salvation just guaranteed that you wouldn't go to hell when you died. Right. And that um, it didn't mean anything for my life other than don't leave the church and try not to sin as much as you do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that, that, I don't know if that's everybody's what, life. I wonder if everyone's like, yeah, what's the, what's the difference between that and Redeemer? <laughs> don't leave the church and try not to sin as much as you do. That's going to be our new... Uh, Objectives, new mission statement. <laughs> Fight for joy, how? Instead of gather, give, go. That's right. Let's gather. Gather, don't go. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, don't sin. <laughs> but, I, yeah, it uh, it never, the glory and the beauty and the, um, the person of Jesus didn't mean anything to me. I, I could think of Jesus, but it, it was just uh, kind of religious ritual or yeah it's it's kind of the trappings of why i do what i do but it it was never an affection for me and, that's uh, that's it yeah who were you listening to oh i probably started listening uh, to driscoll 
Yeah. Yeah, I think he's probably. Um, he was in a, he grew up in that fundamentalist stuff. Yeah, and that's he was probably a good why bridge, I, good bridge between. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then uh, Darren Patrick. Yeah. Down in um, Kansas City. Yep. Um, Matt Chandler. You, you get you get tied into, and I don't know so the X twenty nine movement. Yeah, where did that? I don't. Um, Vody Bauckham was yeah. probably the first, you know, Baptist type guy that. So I would take the CDs from this homeschool conference, yeah. and I would I would listen, start listening to those. That's probably what I did before the smartphone and the podcast yeah. and the sermon, um, all the sermon apps. So I would listen to CDs, and I would listen to whatever, yeah. and um, that became much of what I did on my commute. Okay, so you've thrown out something that's uh, a distinctive in terms of what what are we really talking about here? And you said glory and beauty. Um, so I didn't grow up in fundamentalism at all, although I think we have the seeds of that. The reason fundamentalism exists is because we are that way. We right. tend toward legalism, and without the gospel constantly coming and correcting that, we will slip into that, and that will manifest in Baptist circles, Hinduism, Catholicism, secular humanism. It's just it's who we are. Mm-hmm. So it'll manifest everywhere. Um, and so, you know, I went from, you know, justifying myself by being bad when I was young um, to getting saved, but then kind of living that way. Okay, all right, Jesus is has died for me, so I, I don't have to feel afraid of hell, and I'm forgiven. And uh, I certainly experienced some spiritual healing, but... But it was still just operating under the fact, the like kind of like that. Don't leave the church and try not to sin as much. Uh, but it wasn't until, similarly, on the road, back and forth to seminary. I'm in seminary now. This is 12 years ago. And listening to sermons, um, some actually not guys, but mostly John Piper. And it's the Christian hedonism. It's the glory, the beauty. That's what you said that, that was like changed my life. I was like, wait a minute. Jesus to me was just kind of like a someone who handled a big problem for me. Thank you. And now I can just kind of like breathe a little easier. But when I started hearing and really hearing and seeing with my eyes and heart that God was beautiful and glorious, that captivated me. It changed. It was like, oh. And it was no longer... My objective was no longer just to try not to sin as much, but to chase that glory, right? Yeah. To get after that. Right. And that's just a different way of living. Yeah, there's, uh, oh, you know, the, the, the parable of, of the man who found the treasure hidden in the field, and then he sold all that he had to buy that field Yeah, and, and to have that treasure. And I, that that resonated with me, and that that kind of defines, or at least illustrates, I think, um, where my life was going, and what uh, what was what my eyes were wrought to see in Jesus, that treasure. Um, and and I think that is where you continue to you not only return back to that, but yeah, you pursue the depth of that treasure, and uh, it's. You know, you just do that the rest of your life, and it manifests itself in different ways. But um, it's it's always a digging for the depths of God in Jesus Christ, and uh, not in a not in a way that's tiresome and like I'm just gonna work harder to find out this stuff. <laughs> you know, because I think that can be yeah. theology in some ways. That can be yeah, but nobody feels tired when they're like. But yeah, it's when not you're that. eating delicious food. You're right. like, oh, this is such a burden. Yeah, like, it's like, so it's not that kind of thing. No, there is work. Yeah, it, it's definitely work, and it's definitely a fight. Um, but it's uh, it's like, oh, if I got more, you know, I just I got some more there. You're eating. Yeah. Was sitting at the table with. We were at a restaurant. It was just. My wife, me, and Allegra, my uh, 10-year-old daughter, she's something like 10, <laughs> and she's she, she's out of water. There's ice in the cup, and she's slurping through the straw and making that noise. Oh, yeah. 
and I find it annoying personally. I don't think anyone else in the restaurant wants to hear it. But also as a waiter, a former waiter, I'm like, I don't want the wait. You know, that's rude. You oh, know, they yeah. walk by they'll and you're like slurping. Down. It's like like you're trying to tell them you're out of water. Anyway, so I just said, hey, Legra, don't make that. Don't do that. And she, she stopped. And without even like looking up, I think, Aubrey gives Allegra her glass of water. And I was like, <gasps> I was just like, oh, my gosh. All I did was tell her what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, just part of life. God yeah. tells us a lot of not to do isms, which is sure. why, you know, it can be confusing if you don't see the thread, the real thread in the Bible. Yeah. There's a lot of what not to do. Don't do this. Don't do that. But that's, is that it? So now she's sitting there not slurping, but she's thirsty. That's not going to be good for anybody. We talked about this. You. And again, not to just harp on fundamentalism, because but this is your context where you came out of. You've talked about that. Well, you were talking about it now, the powerlessness. Like you're just being told, don't slurp. Yeah. But you need to slurp. Yeah. You want to be satisfied. Yeah. And so and you with, have all of these desires. And so what happens? You're living in this pressure cooker of a of a community that is putting together putting this outward display that's reinforcing itself, you know, through rituals and rules. And, but inside is unsatiated desire for glory. It's combustible. It's something is going to go down. You've seen that happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's why there's so much division. That's why it's that's what happened in known your life. as a separatist, yeah, as a separatist movement, because you just got to... Uh, it's what C.S. Lewis talks about. You just go after these smaller kind of things, these seashells. <laughs> you start collecting seashells. So as a church, as a culture, yeah. you just you just go after, you know, oh, well, we've got to be this. And it, it isn't Jesus. So, you know, the, the church separates again and again, uh, everybody pursuing their own little kingdoms. And uh, It's tragic. Yeah, and it never really satisfies anybody. So what's so great about Jesus? That's the only thing that there is now in reality. So Jesus, his kingdom, his work, um, that's all that's left now. And I think that's the reality. What um, do you mean that's all that's left now? When he came, he, he came to deliver us from the power of this present evil age. <laughs> <laughs> I think is how Paul puts it. Yeah. And this present evil age is, um, is the deception of uh, the world, the flesh, the devil. Um, culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everything that... The culture, your dad, and your church. That's the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but everything that's propped up is satisfying by whatever demonic influences are behind it. Um, and yet ultimately unsatisfying and jesus is is pushing all of that away and he's calling all of his people into himself and when they when they're brought in when he brings them in uh that's it that's the that's the end game <laughs> and jesus jesus cause says everything's in me yeah and and that's where you stay and that's where you'll be and and there's contentment there and there's joy and peace and and the the spirit has power over over the desires to to have less than Jesus. Um, That'll so, do. Yeah, that's that's where we're gonna be forever, and where we've begun to be now. And so there's the already now, uh, Jesus, and there's the not yet, uh, which is big cool name for twins. Already and not yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, who's gonna be the the not, the yet. not yet. <laughs> You're the the greater glory. <laughs> Aubrey thought Aubrey thought her name was Aubrey No when she was a kid. Aubrey we, No. Yeah. All the Aubrey No. Aubrey No. And someone asked her her name. She said Aubrey No. Aubrey No. Yet. Not yet. Yeah, but I I think that sounds even even coming out of my own my out of my own mouth that sounds like I think to my is that it? You know, is, is Jesus really that mm. good? Is he is he all encompassing like that? <clears throat> and that's where the fight is. Um, I think when you when you proclaim Christ, 
to someone who doesn't see that yet. It yeah. just sounds flat. Right. When you proclaim Christ to yourself, even, sometimes it comes back like, oh, yeah, it sounds flat. Um, but it's continually um, renewed, Yeah, I think, by God's mercy and grace. Yeah, and re- <clears throat> excuse me, and reinforced by the, your community that yeah, that hopefully now again. So there's there's roots, roots, hints of fundamentalism in all of us and in, in in our church, and so there's a war against that, and the way we wage that war is to continually proclaim the excellencies of Christ. Right. right. So ultimately, that's what we're. We'll have preach sermons and do groups about um, how to do things better and things we shouldn't do. And But that's not going to be the main flavor, Lord willing. The main flavor is the satisfying nature of God for the human soul. Yeah. And tracing that out and all its... And all his attributes, his justice, you know, his mercy, his faithfulness, and then all his... All the metaphors, you know, him being a a father, a brother, a comforter, a shepherd, like this is all we're doing, you know, and Lord willing, fanning into flame the spark of faith that's within us and yeah. growing and um, enduring. But I think that's the true church. Yeah. I mean, and, and you can, well, I don't think I or any one person can distinguish, you know, between churches, what what is and what isn't part of the the church yeah you know we can go oh that doesn't look healthy right um but you know even coming out of fundamentalism as we've talked about um you know i still have people i know that remain in it yeah and what is that you know are they yeah i think there are just like there if are. they say they're believers you believe it and, yeah you know and then uh leave it to the lord but you know what are we what are we losing i think it's that joy and that satisfaction that of a community that's centered on who jesus is so how long ago was this now that you you had that kind of this experience of really hearing all the different pastors and i mean some of yeah. oh probably from 05 to 08 there was this transition and then from 08 on um to, to like well we came here in 14 so from 10 to 14 it was pretty intense i mean that you know you're you're really in upheaval you're really kind of like kind of, kind of a pain in the ass to the pastor because <laughs> you're just so you're that's just what's happening turmoil. you're being changed and you're still yeah. within that movement yeah and you're just you're just not satisfied with anything you're asking questions and, and they're just nothing's really happening in the local church body for you you're just kind of like oh okay yeah, and uh, so you get really angsty and 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 a caged AG, and <laughs> <laughs> you, know. you show up at Redeemer, and we're like perfect. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you show up at Redeemer, and all of a sudden it sounds like who you've been listening to, and who you know, it sounds like uh, the people that um are yeah enjoying Jesus. Yeah, and I think that's the difference. Yeah, it's like you can hear somebody enjoy Jesus. And then you can just hear somebody talk about biblical points of truth. Right. You know, hey, this is what the Bible says. This is what we believe. Okay. Just the facts. Yeah, just the facts. No, there's another church mission. (laughs) Just the facts. Just the facts, (laughs) ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting, we're not necessarily saying a lot of different things. It's just that, well, no, that's not true. There's different ways to present the facts. But at the end of the day, right. I don't want to. I don't want to trash facts because it's the fact of Jesus's glory that catalyzes our our joy. All right. So sometimes, you know, we could talk so much about joy and this and that. People are like, oh, so it's all about your feelings. I'm like, it depends on what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all about how I feel about the fact, right, that God is glorious. Yes, that's what it's all about. Does that make any difference at all? Yeah. All right. Does the fact of Jesus's life and death and resurrection and Ascension and reign. Does that mean anything to your life? So maybe this uh, once. Let me f- share this. Uh, I I want to define worship. Um, 
Because I, I got into this little Facebook thing a few weeks ago, and I read articles where the question being, can you worship Jesus without feelings? And people are like, it doesn't matter how you feel. We worship because God is... Basically, the facts are that he's objectively glorious. This and that. I'm like, well, that's true. And so I, I think I got through... I understand what's happening in that conversation. I define worship as feelings. They don't. There's some people don't. They they define worship as the act of singing, the act of clapping. So they're like, you know, God commands us to gather and sing and, and clap, and therefore we'll do that no matter how we feel. And I'm like, okay. To me, that's the fight for joy. But I would say you're not worshiping him. We've called musical demonstration or participation worship that's not worship worship is is the affections being given over to something as is adoring something worship is adoring something so in in my and i think that's well frankly that's what the word means i think it's been co-opted mm-hmm. you know oh worship what's that oh, how was worship today and they mean how was music so if that's what you mean Yes, worship God in spite of your feelings. Get in there, get after it, ask Him to change your feelings. But if worship is adoration, then you cannot worship Him without feelings. It's impossible. That's what it is. Yeah. It's the, th- it's the meaning of the term. So anyway, um, I, so that's an important clarification for me, and then um, I think it relates to this, because what we're, what we're saying at the end of the day is that, yes, it is about feeling how we feel about God and satisfies pursuing that satisfaction in him not just knowing objective facts or trying to avoid a lifestyle of you know destruction but it's about our eyes being open to the glory right in Christ the glory of God in the face of Christ Corinthians 4 and that glory is that's an affectional word you know when you when people describe things that are glorious it's how it made them feel did you see that play yeah. did you See that, you know, the Grand Canyon, it was glory. You felt something, right? And so our eyes have been open to that. And then we get distracted and we think other things are glorious and we get tired and angry. And, you know, so the fight is to, is to wipe that glass, right? Get all the lies out of the way. That's not true. God is glorious. God is satisfying. Eat, drink, and be merry. Mm. Yeah. Do you think you got saved then? Do you ever think that yeah i do yeah yeah i think i think my my life was you know trans transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of not when you were five. Oh no okay so you yeah you just grew up in that and yeah maybe oh you know what do you when do you when do you when do you how do you tell in a fundamentalist culture, whether it's your affections or it's duty and, you know, just obedience. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's really hard to define between... Or fear of hell. Yeah, just that's usually fear. Absolutely fear. Little kids, that's constantly that is, the testimony. It's like, yeah, well, yeah. I don't want to go to hell. You're, you're afraid that your reputation's going to be the, that, you know, you're a pervert. You're afraid that your reputation's going to be that hmm. um, you're... Godless. Yeah, you're a two-faced or a hypocrite or... Good. Yeah. Well, we've gone just over an hour. Um, this is this is interesting, man. So I'm really glad that you are at Redeemer, that you guys make the trek, and um, that your family has found a home here, and that you guys are here as part of the, the church that helps others fight for joy and serve in the ways that you do. And so I'm glad. It's not always ideal to commute 45 minutes to church. You know that. But I think it's clear this is your church. Oh yeah, yeah. But it's yeah, not it's... outside of the norm either. When you look at the church as a whole, I mean, yeah, you got, you got people in other parts of the world, you know, developing world and third world, that have to travel like this. Yeah, and I think um, maybe that's the reality of the church in the U.S. And, and I don't think people are woke to that yet. Yeah, I, I think there's yeah. When you're you mean talking, because there's going to be talking, diminishing numbers? Yeah, when you're talking rural America, when you're you know when you yeah. look at all the statistics, even even within the city, churches know, are closing. And, yeah, there's a diminishing of, you know, there's a 
there's a sorting out of what is and what isn't going to continue till the end. Interesting. (laughs) And, and Hey, there certainly could be places in Tama Toledo that where people can thrive, but for you guys, this is where you are called to be. This is where God has knit you and where you grow and can help others grow. And that's, that's clear. So, right. Okay. Well, I think that's it. Daniel, thank you very much. Appreciate it. We'll do this another time and all right. It'll be great. All right, everyone, thanks for tuning in. Bye.